2: is my boomstick
1: What's your favorite
2: scary movie?
1: Hello and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Daniel DeBona and I'm David Uyoa. And we are joined by one of our number 1 fans, if not our actual number 1 fan, back for the second <laughs> time. We've got Andy Chicone. Andy, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. And tonight,
1: we are expanding our definition for our month of love. And we're going to get outside that idea of romantic love. And we're going to look at a familial love with our February movie. Tonight, we are doing the movie Veronica, a Spanish film (laughs) that was at one point touted as the scariest movie on Netflix... Uh, including a stat that I saw that piqued my interest in this. When it first came out, Netflix had a stat out that claimed that only 17% of people who started the movie finished it, which, of course, they automatically assumed meant that it was too scary, not just that they you know fell asleep on the remote <laughs> or <laughs> didn't realize it wasn't in English or something like that. So we are going to be talking about Veronica uh, I'm doing my best with the name there. Um, I was gonna say
0: yeah, uh, yeah. your pronunciation
1: is fantastic. Thank That's you.
2: Thank better you, than thank what you. I could do,
0: Verónica.
2: <laughs> you just have to say it like a telenovela story, Verónica. There you we know. go. <laughs> uh,
1: so as we as we get started, we I want to start off just real simple, just kind of thinking about the movie. You know, what did you think about it? One thing that kind of stands out about this movie is it's so rare that the uh, the demonic possession and haunting. Uh, type movies crossover. You tend to go one way or the other. This movie kind of does a little bit of both. Um, so do you think it works? What do you think about the movie in total? Uh, Andy, you're the guest. We'll let you go first, man.
2: Um, I You know what? I like the movie. Uh, I mean, there's so many things to like about it. and There were other things that, that I didn't like about it. Uh, with regards to the haunting and the demonic possession, I mean, it's these are things that we've seen a thousand times before, but it seems to me as if, uh, he took ideas from different places and he peppered it into the film and, and he did it the right way. I mean, I, I, he filmed it the right way. It's not like he stole ideas. I mean, he, he's taken ideas from other movies, but, but he did them well, you know? So as far as that, As far as that goes, I mean, that's why I liked it because it wasn't it wasn't an outright I stole an idea or the way that I filmed. You know, it's just that he did it uh, well, you know, so so I didn't I didn't think that it was an amazing film. I didn't think it was a bad film either. Um, The whole idea is 17 percent of the people who uh, started watching it didn't finish it. I mean, I I don't understand why, but I mean, it wasn't as it wasn't as. It wasn't that scary i mean it's not like i was telling david before like jaws i mean you say the tagline for that movie i mean nobody wanted to go in the water after
1: that right.
2: you know so but <laughs> but it wasn't that wasn't the case with this movie i mean it was i'd hate to say it, it was your run-of-the-mill demonic possession film you know to me that's what it was it started like one and it ended like one and but it wasn't bad it wasn't bad you know dave
1: i i
0: think Andy's kind of right on the money there. Um this this movie is I think unfortunately a victim of its own marketing campaign. Yes. Uh, this idea that it is the scariest movie in you know X number of years, uh, that uh, you know so many people couldn't finish watching this movie. We hear about this every now and then. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, so, something by uh, you know something like The Exorcist, where people were throwing up in movie theaters, and then you watch The Exorcist, and sure, it's scary, but scariest movie of all time? I don't know, right? Um, so I think that my expectations were high going into this and part of that is Netflix's fault. Yes. Uh, part of that is the marketing of the film itself. You know, the, the, the way the studio marketed the movie and, uh, I I'm certain that there was a, a viral social media campaign that went along with that, uh, where people were paid to say this thing is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Um, Because I can't imagine any horror aficionado saying this is the scariest movie uh, I've ever seen. I had such a hard time watching it. I had to turn it off. Uh, It's a well-made movie. Uh, And we kind of talked a little bit about that when we talked about My Bloody Valentine last week. Um, It's kind of just standard slasher fare. But the fact that it's so well-made is uh is what makes it kind of rise above uh the rest, right? And I think that this is one of those where it's it's a really well-made uh demonic possession slash you mm-hmm. know uh, demonic haunting movie. Uh is it any better or worse than Amityville horror or uh the exorcism of Emily Rose? I I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Uh but I I, I think that unfortunately uh you you do have to compare a movie to itself, like we always say. And the marketing campaign is one of those things. And that's that that was part of, I think, the letdown with this movie.
1: Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I think that when – and, you know, it was – I guess it was four years ago uh, that this dropped. But it, when you you come across something like that, obviously, as people who do this, that's, gonna, that's something that's going to pique our interest, right? Like, yes, good. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, something that will still scare me. And you're right that, you know, you, 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 when you start with high expectations, you know, last week it was easy for me. I went into my bloody Valentine last week, not really expecting much. I was like, that's a slasher from 81, right? I've seen all of these. Um, and so, you know, there was, there was, there was plenty of room for growth um, through no fault of the film itself, but perhaps it's marketing campaign. Like you said, there wasn't, a, there was a setup here for, for this film that, that was almost unattainable, right? Like I knew there was no way I was going to turn it off. I mean, for fuck's sake, I I made it through mother a couple weeks ago and I didn't turn that off. (laughs) We may or may not get to that. I don't even know if that qualifies as a horror film. It's a something. Um, But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, like I was, I was terrified through that movie and I managed to make it through. So like, okay, there's no way that I'm going to turn this off. Um, But that being said, yeah, it was it was a fun movie, right? Like I enjoyed it. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing brand new here. There's yeah. nothing, uh, there's nothing here that Ouija um, Two didn't juice for a little bit more. Um, mm. You know, yeah. like there there are some, there are definitely some lines to be drawn between some gags and some uh, some of the things that happened in this movie to Ouija Two, and uh, possibly because of budget, Ouija Two really did squeeze those things a little harder but there are some really great redeeming things about this movie um that that made it it was still a good watch it was just one of those things where you're right like you we we were we were set up to fail with this one yeah. and and whether you know whether it's it's Paco Plaza's plan or you know whoever releases it or whether it was just Netflix's thing because if I remember correctly, this thing just kind of like came out of nowhere on Netflix back in 2017. Cause I remember when it came out thinking I was going to watch it and then never getting around to it, but it wasn't the type of thing, you know, the, the idea of Netflix releasing trailers for something that's going to be a Netflix exclusive is still relatively new. And back in 2017, they weren't hyping things that were going to come out and granted they still drop things out of nowhere that become sensational, I don't think anybody had heard of Squid Game but the before the day it dropped, and it was an international sensation. But yeah. so this went, this came out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, the only thing that you were seeing about it was how scary it was. And yeah, it had some tense moments. It did have some, it did have some good scares. Um, it just wasn't anything amazing. Uh, but I did like it. I, I think that the story was told well, I think that. This is one of those situations and we're going to get to cast, uh, you know, a little while ago. But this is one where it's especially it's especially telling of how good um, Paco Paco Plaza is. And he got such great um, acting jobs out of these children who carry the movie. Everybody played their part exactly the way they should have played it Um, there. You know, like I said, there's a couple things that are there were a couple things about this movie that were such tropes. That it was almost laughable. Then there's a couple things where you're kind of astonished at the fact that because there are children acting out these roles, they kind of took these cliches and twisted them. And you watch them change the idea of how this cliche should work right in front of you. Those things worked really, really well uh so i did like it i did like it but i agree with you guys there's nothing there's nothing spectacular here there's nothing that hasn't been done in other films either just as well or even better
0: and i i think that part of that may have to do with uh the actual narrative with the story the plot that's going on here um and uh, now horror movies, I mean, no stranger to the, you know, based on true events thing, we are going to get to the the real life story mm-hmm. of, uh, of of what happened here. Right. Um, but how does this interpretation of those events uh, kind of. Lead this story into either familiar territory and that being a good thing or a bad thing. You mentioned two, uh, one movie in particular that to me I immediately started thinking of when I saw this, which is uh, Ouija Origin of Evil. Uh, now, of course, you're up against Mike Flanagan and that's a losing fight every time, (sighs) but that's that's a that's a movie that I think uses the Ouija board as um, as a as, as a great MacGuffin. You know, yes. uh, to to kind of just kickstart the story. Conjuring 2 is another one that uses that as uh, as a great MacGuffin to to, to kind of get that, you know, those uh, those those horror, you know, spiritual juices going the exorcist, you know, speaking of Captain Howdy. So uh, <laughs> so, so so Daniel. Right. How does how does this story work? You know, relative to other Ouija based movies that have come out in um either you know recent history in the past, and 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 how and how does it work for this movie in particular?
1: So so in this particular movie, you know, they, they hook you immediately with this idea of a girl who just desperately wants one more one more talk with her dad. She just wants to communicate with her dad one more time. We find out that he passed away, you know, they that it's it, 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 uh, you know, credit where credit's do We talk about not wanting to be spoon-fed things. They realize that that ex- that, that part of the exposition was, you know, it, it was non-sequitur. That didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. We just know that he's dead. She wants to talk to him. So, so we get this Ouija board. Um, one thing that I really liked about it was, and, you know, it may have just been because it was filmed in Spain or whatever, but I liked that it wasn't like the, the Milton Bradley Hasbro Ouija board right yeah. it was it was right. very much just i guess you know like some the encyclopedia of the of the occult i believe is what mm-hmm. the book that she was reading all the time was called mm-hmm. yeah. and it was it was like a branded one from them but it had a very cool look to it and so that gave it something that that you don't see a lot um in the fact that the ouija board itself was was unique looking the story as it progressed. Um, one thing I really liked, I did like the, I did like the idea of, you know, like you were never really sure if anybody else was seeing these, these demons and whatever it was, you know, like they, there were people in the room when she was seeing them. But you also know that if you're in a room with someone who's terrified, even if you don't know why that, that in itself is terrifying. And mm. so you're never really sure if anyone else is seeing these things or or how much of it is is actually happening so that part of the story carries very well um the idea of an older sibling becoming the parent because the uh, and uh because the parent is very busy now one thing that I really liked about this, you know, it's it's real easy to go the route of having a deadbeat parent. And so that's why yeah. the the older sibling has to take on this role. But this was a mom who was just working herself to death because she had four children and was on her own. So it never... You know, there was one point where she gets mad at the mom, but it was never like oh, my mom's a drunk and that's why I've got to do mm-hmm. this. So it was it it avoided that trope. Which it and, kind
0: of seemed like that's where they were going right. at the beginning yes,
1: because she was still asleep as they were getting ready mm-hmm. for school. And I thought the same thing. I was like, Oh, here we go, right? Yeah, deadbeat parent, sister, da da, da da da. But they 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 did a good job with that, and it made the family element of the story even stronger, right? Because now you're looking at these two very strong uh women in matriarchal roles, even though one of them is just a big sister, um, just doing what they have to do to make sure their family survives. So I really liked all of that. Um, you know, it's it's weird because we always have this conversation of whether the the story supports the gags or if it's just there to get you from point A to point B. And on paper, like when you watch the movie, you're never lost as to what's going on in the story. And on paper, there's not much to it, but the story in this movie was a feel, right? There's there's not a lot of like narrative. There's a lot of things that happen, but you you don't really watch any of the characters change and evolve. Um, mm. And that's not to the that's not to discredit the movie. It's just it's interesting to think about like when you look at the story of this movie how there's not a lot there it's just kind of a sequence of events Mm -hmm. uh so it's kind of weird right because there's there's not necessarily a definitive like beginning middle and end Mm -hmm. here like you would look for in a story there's the beginning end and end and then it's just a timeline Right, and, it's and more really so, the beginning right, is the end. And really the beginning is yeah, the beginning yeah, is the, the Tarantino end. Right? So, did. Yeah, right. so it's 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 a timeline more so than it's a story, down to the fact that they literally time stamp the movie like every 27 minutes, right? Like they're like, <laughs> and here we go. Now it's Friday. So, and that is not to discredit the movie at all, it's just it's just interesting to to when you start to talk about the concept of story and Dave, you're a literature teacher, you know, you like when you, when you look at all these things, you're like, all right, I, I, I when I taught second and third grade literature, and I know that you guys probably do this on a far more advanced level. We taught the hamburger <laughs> thing, right? Where it's like, it's like, all right, here's the beginning. You introduce characters. That's the top one. Here's the middle. That's your plot. And then it's like, here's your end conclusion and all that. And it's like, this uh, some just- of the
0: boys that we teach Daniel, <laughs> <laughs>
1: And so it's just—it's interesting how this was all just kind of like I said—it's—it's it's a timeline more than it's right. a right. It yeah. doesn't—it
2: didn't have. You're absolutely right, and and I think I think that the simplicity of it is what makes it a, a decent film because there's not too many there there aren't many too there aren't many themes to it. I mean, it's a story that begins and it's a story that ends, and then we follow and then we follow the main the main character throughout um and and i think that helps especially for for anybody who's watching the film that doesn't speak spanish i mean i i mean i was looking at the subtitles i mean i speak spanish but i mean my my thing is uh sp- spanish from spain is is i mean i've been to spain and it's tough to understand if you really listen to it the dialect is very different but it mm-hmm. wasn't a problem in this film because even if you read the subtitles, you, you would understand the story. You saw that, that you, she had a problem with her friends. You didn't really need the subtitles to understand that, you know, you understand, you understood that there was an issue with the mom working all the time and that there was, that there was a problem there, you know? So, so, so that, that was a question that I had for you, uh, Daniel. You, you don't speak Spanish. Um, did you find yourself reading the subtitles? more or or did you feel like i i did i get the film i don't need to read the subtitles
1: so um i well i i actually i understand a good amount of spanish i did well, like six, six years <laughs> through middle and high school did a couple weeks in madrid my senior year um and so now like i said that was 20 years ago <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> that one hurt and uh so it's 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 so I still understand it, but now I have to do the thing where like if I'm trying to speak it like I hear you say it. I know what you said. Now I've got to like think in English, translate it as best of my ability and then say something that makes you sound like a jackass. But um, so I I did read it, but I'm also very used to reading subtitles uh, Mm -hmm. while I watch foreign films. I was telling Dave before we got started, there was a run in the early 2000s where I got really big into um, Asian horror. It was right. It was right around that boom. Mm -hmm. And so I did get very good at managing to follow story while well not understanding nothing that they said and having to read it all. Uh, So it wasn't very distracting for me but also there was a there was a level of familiarity in what i was hearing while i was reading like i was connecting those dots all right
0: i um i can only reiterate what you guys have said um i i think that the story works well enough and sometimes that's that's all you need uh there there were two points that i feel like um were Either undeveloped, and maybe it was the sort of thing that it just got, you know, cut, you know, it was left on the editing room floor and really wasn't explored, or um, just didn't end up making any sense. Uh, and they were like, "Ah, eh, fuck it." Um, and and it was that it, there were a couple of scenes with uh, with a big focus on the crucifix that lies in the hall. Yes. Right. In fact, it's one of the very first things that you see—the fact that the crucifix is on the floor. Uh, you know, the girls go to a Catholic school, right? And and Spain is a notoriously Catholic, right? Um, <laughs> Notoriously—that I mean, is yeah. really the
1: only word to define how Catholic
2: <laughs> Spain is. You're absolutely yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, any country that's willing to go to war for its religion, I mean, it is notoriously that religion. No one suspects. No, one, uh, no one ever suspects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, auto de fe, what's an auto de fe? Um, <laughs> 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 throw up. Mel, yes! Mel Brooks reference in there. Uh, so, um, the fact that, um, Sister Death later. Uh, says well this has nothing to do with religion. Uh I thought that was pretty cool because in every one of these movies it's always about religion. Right. Right? So it was an interesting thing where it's like you know no the you know the the devil or you know whatever doorway it is that you've opened up doesn't give a fuck about your god, right? It, it it's it's you know it, it is here to fuck you up, right? <laughs> that's that's kind of what's going on here, right? To 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 misquote Hans and Franz. So the mixed messages that we're getting there were kind of weird, right? Like, would a belief in God have helped her, right? Um, now, it, of course, this is different in the real story, uh, but that's that's one of those things where for me it was, uh, like we, we often talk about that gun introduced in Act One that must be used in Act Five, right? And right. I feel like that that was one of those things that just was just like, eh, we're gonna ignore that, right? right? the other thing that kind of struck me as like just this this thing that was like but why um they she asks uh veronica asks antonito to draw the the viking uh oh. uh protection wards all over their walls right and he starts flipping through the pages and draws an invocation ward right um the fuck was the point of so, that scene? Because I, we still get, uh, like, it, it, obviously this this being, this demonic being was already in the house. It was already there. We come to find out that it was already inside of her, right? And then what's the invocation then? Like, what's, so wh- what's the implication there? The, I, the other I, thing that confused me about that, before you get to yeah, that, Daniel, yeah, is it. that at the end of the movie... The demon is coming inside her body,
2: uh-huh.
1: but it's already taken possession of her. So, as far as the the the, the invocation, I think that the uh, that one I will I will defend a little bit. I think that part of that was in if he flipped the pages and he started drawing the invocation runes then maybe that's why they were still able to be attacked and the thing still had power because if he was not drawing the correct runes and maybe it didn't do anything to invoke but it also then eliminated the idea of there being a symbol to protect them so if he if he drew them incorrectly you've now eliminated this idea of him creating a barrier around them with protection runes because he got distracted by the book and started drawing invocation runes. Yes. The Mm -hmm. demon has already been invoked, but now you're also not doing anything to protect your family from him. I think is I, I, that's what I thought they were getting at with that. Not that he was further giving the demon permission because you're right. As we come to find out, it's actually inside of her um, since the very beginning but that now he didn't do anything to help protect them once they were pissing it off by trying to dismiss it.
2: (laughs) There was was one line in the film that I I thought was a little confusing. Uh, When she told her mother, we need you to come home because the evil doesn't seem to appear when you're there. And that was never answered. And I was, Mm -hmm. why is that? You know? You know, uh, w- what type of control does she have over the evil if there is any, or does that make the evil more familiar? You know, and that w- I, that wasn't an answered, and I was like left okay. Yeah. Um, and well, that and- was.
1: And we, we do eventually find out that the that the demon has been inside of her essentially the whole time and all these which things. Which is a good right. twist. Right, which right. is a good twist. Um it and, it, and, and by the
0: way, that, that moment where she realizes that Antonito was not in her arms on the way out of the hotel. Right, yeah. That that was like a oh fuck, I didn't see that coming. Moment.
1: That was that was that was honestly like the scariest moment in the movie for me. Like when she just looks in the mirror and he's not there, because then then I had that moment where I was like, Well, now I don't know what's happening or what right. to believe. And so that, that little bit um, did make the movie much scarier. There's they, it was a good twist to find it. It was inside her the whole time. The reveal of that um, was great where she walks into the room and you realize everything's backwards, right? Like the writing on her shirt, all the posters, everything's mm-hmm. backwards. And They start flashing right. back to all this time. She looked in the mirror. There was a minute, there was a minute where I almost drew that, that high tension parallel. But then when you when you when you think back on it, there was always, there was always just enough leeway that it makes sense that, you know, she could have done all of these things. It, even though she ran away before the boy got burned, it would have been, you know, she could have turned the water up. One thing I really loved about the story um, and, and the way that it was presented was the idea that Antonito, uh, he, he could tell when she wasn't herself. Because yeah. even when because the very first thing that I thought was well, wait a minute. If she is the one who's doing all these things, how come when the water burned him, he, he said it wasn't you. But then you think to when she's he's sitting in the closet with his fingers in his ears and he's refusing to acknowledge her. So it's like, oh, so he was saying it wasn't you because he could tell she wasn't in control when it happened. I I, I think. Like, that's kind of what I got for that. Some of those little elements he, of He also mentioned that
0: it was his father that came to read to him.
1: Yes. Right.
0: Um, you know, so I, I don't know if he saw, um, you know, maybe his father's spirit in her um, in the same way that she saw her father's spirit in that demon I think right? we also the um, father's spirit right at one that, that, point. right right yeah. right you know, So i i, I, I don't Dangling. know uh, yeah just uh, just a little too much of that <laughs> just- father's spirit Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's got spirit yes he you know
2: you know what when i saw that i I, when i when i see movies and i i always draw a parallel to other films and i was watching that and i'm there going is that the indian from the doors i mean (laughs) (laughs) my my first my, my
1: my first thought when he when when he appeared over there in the corner was i was like man we cannot get away from these movies with fat naked dude dick
0: yeah <laughs> what the hell
1: like it just I mean I I mean I don't know I guess it's I guess it's terrifying you know <laughs> like like it, it just it just keeps showing up but so you know there so there there are there are like I said it's it's there there are a lot of great moments here but they're they're very much just stamps on a timeline mm-hmm. um as this progresses What's really super interesting about this to me, and I ended up spending a lot of time reading this, is, like you said, we're not unfamiliar with the tag based right. on a true story, you know, based on real-life events, all of those things. You know, this this goes back forever, I'm sure. You know, like, uh, the, the earliest one or the oldest one that I can think of seeing it on is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah,
0: it's one of the and, most famous
1: ones. Yeah, and so... Well, that's not unfamiliar as people who watch a lot of these. You know, we are also very aware of the fact that these 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 ideas and these details are twisted to make a better movie. But what's really fascinating to me is the true story of what happened here. Uh, So in Spain, there was this girl who was having a seance with a Ouija board in the basement of her school. A nun interrupted it. And she, and then shit went sideways for her. She then spent six months hallucinating um, and uh, having seizures, uh, unwillingly, unknowingly self-harming until she did. She eventually died in hospital. All of this is
0: is shown in the movie, by the way. So, so it was kind of cool to see a lot of that real life story show up in
1: there. Right. And so the, it's, the the real story is more akin to something like uh, what we see play out in the excess of of Emily Rose where mm-hmm. it's a it's a slow burn into into her ultimate demise so when you when you think about what happened in the real story here and you start to compare it to the movie you know how does that how does that stack up does that does that make it does that make the movie any better or any worse or does it affect it for you at all uh dave so um
0: baco plaza said that although the movie is based on the real events he came right out and said that this is a um, you know, a fictionalized version of those events. And if, um, if you look at the details of the case, uh, now th- some of it is, you know, public record because it was in an actual police report, right? Um, and that's part of the reason why this case gained so much attention is because it's in an actual government, you know, record where. Police officers recorded something supernatural uh, in in their official report. Um, So you look at that, you look at interviews that the family has given, um, uh, the the family of uh, Estefania Guerrero-Lazaro. And it's, um, to me, the only thing that stands out is that police report. And, right. and, I'm, and I'm I'm not exactly sure what to make of it because otherwise to me, this seems an awful lot like um, the way the Lutz family's experience in Amityville was portrayed. Um, you know, it starts off as one thing ends up as another and, and, and changes over time and it turns into something of an urban legend. Right. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what to make of it. I don't know how much this influences the movie, whether it makes it a better movie. I know that it makes it, uh, it may not necessarily make it a a better movie, but it is for sure interesting. The fact that there is something um, that you can actually say uh, this, uh, on an official record, something happened in this home. Uh, because you can pass off what happened after Estefania's death as a family grieving, right? And 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 her mother was—I uh, don't think she was institutionalized, but she was diagnosed with a couple different mental disorders. Uh, so you know what what she has to say about what occurred in the house, um, you know, suddenly there's um, there's suspicion thrown around that. Uh, because how how much of that is shared reality and how much of that is her reality right um so I uh, either way I think that it it does lend to the movie truth a um a sense of um of credence that many you know, based on true events movies don't have right where you read that Texas chainsaw massacre is based on true events uh but only because Ed Gein kind of sort of influenced uh you know the the creation of Leatherface right, right. uh and otherwise there's no connection to to any real uh killings that ever happened in Texas and so so i i think that's kind of interesting i don't um I don't know what to make of that police report, though.
1: Yeah, like that's the thing, right? the The police report, like you said, it's an official government document that spe- that that specifically states that what they have here is a situation of mystery and rarity, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's fascinating to me, right? Like, um, I know we haven't talked about it on here, but in the Conjuring, the devil made me do it. You're, you know, you're looking at a situation where it was suddenly, you know, an onus of a lawyer to prove that the Mm -hmm. devil was real. And so, you know, when you can when you can add those elements to something that does add to it, I believe. But in this particular instance, I found myself wishing that it had been closer in timeline and in detail to what actually happened because it seems to me that the, the idea of it taking, pl- I, I get the, I get the condensation of it and this happens over three days, but mm-hmm. the, this, the, uh, I, the idea of watching someone unravel over the course of six months is, is scarier to me. The yeah. idea of even after their passing, you know, the, uh, after she died, the police did not become involved until a year after she died because mm-hmm. the family was still reporting shadowy figures walking around the house, mm-hmm. uh, um, inexplicable noises, things like that. That is actually a little bit scarier to me, while not necessarily as tense. And I, so I understand why you went for it here. You've got you know an hour and a half to tell this movie. Some of the things that did make the cut into the movie are when she flips the mattresses. And there's right. that weird right. substance like on the floor and mm-hmm. on the mattresses mm-hmm. underneath the police were completely unable to ever identify what they found underneath her mattress, um, as anything. So, you know, the, 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 the parapsychology guy, I mean, like, Oh, it's fucking it ecto- ectoplasm? ectoplasm, right? Yeah. exactly." Yeah, <laughs> the catch all word. We all know that one. We love the ghostbusters. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there, there's, and, and I will say they did a great job of being like, Hey, Here's this. It's kind of freaky, right? We're not going to spend a lot of time explaining it because you don't need that. So that part worked out real well when she flips the mattresses in the movie, and they did a great job of then showing you the crime scene that uh, the crime scene photos um, right. that from real life later on that were you realize were painstakingly recreated in this movie, like down right. to the types of candles that they used mm-hmm. for the yeah. seance. So They're some always- of that. You know, it was
2: difficult to tell one from the other. Yeah. It really was. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, that you're talking about with the, regards to the police report that I see, I mean, look, the story was corroborated. I mean, there were several witnesses to this. It's sort of like you go outside and you're in your backyard, you see something strange in the sky, and, and – You know what? You call up your buddy. Hey, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Now you got a story because it's not just one point of view. It's two different people who saw the same thing, you know, and I think that's what makes this a story. That's why I think it could become a story because there are a lot of different angles that you have that you have this story coming in on. And so and so now you could you could actually make this movie as compared to no, it was just one person. It's one person's idea, you know, and that wasn't the case here. You know, so so I think the corroboration with that and and the witnesses and everything that we've seen, especially what you're talking about, the the, the painstaking uh, down to a T, the way that things are pictured, the way at the end of the film, when they show you the, 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 the images of the home and and what they did in the film, I couldn't tell them apart. You know, so it was it was it was as if there was a lot of different people who had seen this from many different angles that experienced this whole thing that made it a story it made the story come to life it wasn't just one idea it was it was a lot of different eyes on this that made this made this a good story
1: yeah. yeah, and and that that idea of there being two points of view or three multiple points of view is is also really great because you know the the Conjuring movies, like I referenced, you know they they always throw that around because the Warrens are real people and these are all loosely based on cases that they dealt with, but the point of view of a married couple does that count as two points of view no eh, probably not right no. so but mm-hmm. now you've just got a bunch of cops that are working together and so you're right there's there there is another level of credence to that so there are little bits of it oh like one thing i read that said that when the police showed up the family kept her room exactly the same after she died mm-hmm. when the police showed up the her room apparent was covered in posters like it was in the movie but there were like claw marks um in in the posters yeah those could be attributed to a lot of different things especially a a girl who's hallucinating and having seizures but also yeah you know that's that's an interesting little detail that that's added in there that yeah you didn't have time to toss in there when you put this on a three-day when you put this on a three-day uh timeline and so i think there are certain elements of it that that were taken out and done very very well i also think there is something from the true story that maybe this movie could have benefited from um one thing that i forgot to mention back when we were talking about the story is we, we, you mentioned mcguffins i kept waiting for the fact that there was a solar eclipse at the beginning of the movie to mean anything <laughs> yeah they, they, right, they yeah. mentioned
2: human
0: sacrifice yeah, and- there's
1: all this there's all this effort put into talking about the solar eclipse and then it's like okay no they're doing the seance now forget about the solar eclipse and it's like why did I get a history lesson in
2: solar eclipses? I, I don't. To me, to me, it seemed like the solar eclipse was the mode to make this happen because they were yeah. messing with the Ouija board at the same time that the solar eclipse. I mean, the great scene that the uh, he directed, great. These all these kids standing there with 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 these things on their eyes. It just like. Almost looked, almost looked uh, surreal. You know, yeah. And then um, Sister
0: Death without it, yeah, without it, it, was know, it. Was yeah. Cool.
2: I gotta say, that's my favorite character in the film. You know, <laughs> was my when, when, film. when she when she stood in the window and and Veronica looked up at her and she just stood there. That was freaky in and of itself. And I thought that it was going to be an issue when you brought her into the story and you had her have a conversation. No, that was great. It was, she yeah. It was absolutely great, and I'm I'm happy that they did that. I was a little nervous when I saw her. Oh, great! They just they took the the spooky old woman from the window and they brought her in, you know. And I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, they just screwed it up, but no, nah, It was perfect. It was yeah. absolutely perfect.
1: What the one other thing about the the real story um, that plays into what you were saying, Dave, about you know uh, after a year, after multiple years, you know, we we always. So often on this podcast, we talk about the the yes and factor and sometimes it plays directly into the movie. But in this idea, the yes and factor, this being um, an urban legend, you know, as you as I kept reading, I kept reading about this real story last night like all of a sudden at one point there became this idea that like when the nun broke up their séance the Ouija board broke and like this mysterious like white smoke rose from right. the Ouija board and she inhaled it and I was like see now we're in urban legend territory right like right. like now we're starting to cross a couple borders that are making this less believable so kudos for leaving that stuff out
0: <laughs> and and what's what's weird to me is that i um I don't know. I feel like they either needed to lean more into the true story aspect of it, or leave more of the true story aspect of it out, um, and and make this more of an original movie because there, the whole um, like coming of age uh, sub theme that was going on right. there. Uh, was really interesting and I really liked that scene where uh, you know her sisters and, and her brother are eating her alive and her yes. mother comes and stands over her and then her shadow comes and it's her shadow that brings about the, uh, her, her first period. Right. Bringing her into adulthood just after having that fight with her mother, where her mother tells her that she needs to grow up. Right. Right. And it was foreshadowed at the beginning of the movie where the, the nun tells her, what do you mean? You haven't had you know your first menstruation yet. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, this growing up is part of what she has to do because she feels she's already done it. So her body is starting to catch up with that. That's a great, great thing that's going on there that's largely unexplored, you know? So like, if you leave some of the, okay, we have to get these aspects of the story right. If you leave that aside and focus on really developing this interesting story, you have a better story. And if you just say, fuck it with that, you know, new original story and just try to do the real story, man, you got a really great real story going on there. So I I, I think like that uh, inability to commit to either kind of left it in this limbo state
1: uh, because there was a lot of potential there for either. It's that it's the, it's the cover song theory, right? You can, you can okay. go two ways to make a great cover song. You can take the lyrics of a song and create something that sounds like your band made it, or you can take your band and recreate that song. A great cover song can be made in either one of those uh, realms. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you just, Dip your toes in both of those ponds, and you just kind of you just end up sounding like a band doing this song at a bar. That's when a cover song is no good. You've right. got to commit to either being the original or being original. Like there, there when you when you tow that line in between those two, that's when you end up with a shitty cover. Yeah,
0: agreed. Um, I think one of the things that definitely worked here um and and helped tell this story um you know uh pimples and bruises and all is the cast um and and the fact that we had a uh, a largely child cast right you often hear that you don't ever want to work with children or animals as uh as a, as a film director. Right. Um, and uh, Paco Plaza was working with pretty much just kids. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there were a handful of, of adults, but it was really just children here. Right. Um, they pretty much carry this movie. Right. So is there anyone who stands out as a notable performance uh, either good or bad and um What uh, what did you think overall
1: about the acting, Andy?
2: Um, Well, this was uh, uh, what's her name? The Veronica character. I can't. What's what's her name?
1: Uh, Sandra Asuka. Uh,
2: But that's this is the Mm -hmm. first time that she that she actually starred in a film, you know, and and she did an amazing job. She definitely stood out. Also, also Antonito, the little boy. Uh, yeah. To me, to me, that kid stole the show as as something sweet and pure and something so scary. The, the, the turning point for me at the end of the movie, when when she had when she told her son, look, told her, her brother, cover your eyes, you know, and 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 cover your ears. Keep your eyes closed and don't look because, you know, and then it's she's standing in front of him. And and obviously what she what he sees is not his sister, you know, right that to me was just like, wow, you know, in a film that has so much that, that can be called unoriginal. That was extremely original. And that's something that I love. So, so not just the lead, but Antonito was amazing. I really, I really loved that. I really loved that kid. I did.
1: Also like has, has, has a more adorable kid, like, yeah. ever been cast in and any a movie? movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, like that kid was a literal angel. Like that was a cherub <laughs> cast. in a movie. Um, yeah no I I agree like uh, it's your yes this was her first starring role she was 16 I mean when this yeah, came yeah. out playing a 15 year old so yeah. you know back to that sleepaway camp thing of you know <laughs> casting somebody who's yeah. the right age and and yet it, it a lot can go wrong with that and especially with it being her first role but they were if, like
2: Carry if you it. notice if you notice she was on she was in the film the entire time. There was not one scene where she was not in the film. Right. She yeah. carried the movie, you know. Yeah,
1: I mean, and that's 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 a lot. That's a lot of weight. Like, look, sixteen-year-old me just barely figured out how to work at Chick-fil-A, right? So (laughs) I was was definitely not carrying any movies. I was like, wait, so like a batter it, then I fry it or (laughs) (laughs) at at
0: what point do we put the hate in the chicken?
1: Yeah, exactly. So wait, now like do do I do I say a slur when I hand it to them? (laughs) Or do I wait till I go into the back? Um, And so, and so, so, you know, there's a lot there. The kids all did exactly Uh what they needed to do, which was be great at being kids. Uh And you're right. And, you know, Antonito had some, some great scenes, um, you know, but the, the twins, they didn't, but it was through no fault of their own. They weren't, Mm -hmm. they weren't as big a part of the story. So being there, And just being cogs in the machine is what they needed. And those kids pulled that off. Um, We talked about sister death uh, and uh, you know, the the blind nun that role was awesome. And I loved how, so the, the the idea of the the wise old blind person, right? Tale Mm -hmm. as old as time, but what we got out of sister death was wise old blind person who don't fucking care. And that was great, right? It's like, no, I sneak down to the basement and I smoke. You fucked up. Now, I'm not gonna tell you how to fix it. I don't give a shit. I blinded myself to fix this, and she Figure gives her, it out. her
0: no. She gives her all no right. hope, man. No, like right. none at no. all.
1: No. She's just like no. Protect your brother and sister because yeah. they gonna need them. And then, and then, on top of giving her no hope, then she gives the audience a quick reminder of how little hope was she gives her when she puts out her cigarette. She's like, yeah, just run, run. And it's <laughs> like, oh right? Like it was. It was. It was fun to have the wise old character. Not be sage-like. She wasn't there to to, to pass down the wisdom. Yeah, well, she was like, yeah, I see it. Blinded myself. Still happens. Life's a bitch. And then you die.
0: (laughs) It reminded me of of that episode in in The Empire Strikes Back when Yoda's asking Luke Skywalker if he's afraid to begin his training. And Luke's like, I'm not afraid. He goes, oh,
1: you will be. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: And so, like, that. (laughs) So that those moments in the basement, or the, I guess they're, you know, really that one particular mm-hmm. moment, with she she was cemented as as such a great character, mm-hmm. not only for this movie, but she's a memorable character in horror as a whole. Right. You know, we talk about the pieces of this movie that are interchangeable with with other horror films, like Sister Death is the standout here. She's the character who. Exists in this movie and is a keystone of this. Like she would can... have been
0: played by Lynn Shea in
1: an American movie. <laughs> yes, she would have <laughs> absolutely. And yeah. so she she ended up being. Uh, everybody played their roles very very well, oh. and you know, cre- so credit to the kids who pulled it off, and credit for uh, Paco Plaza for oh. for pulling it together.
0: Uh, for me, I, I all the characters you've brought up are. Uh, Are complete standouts, I think to, to a smaller degree, only because their, their roles were smaller. Um, The actress who played Lucia uh, Bruna Gonzalez, uh, she was, um, there was one scene after uh, Veronica chokes her where she's asking her, why were you choking me? And it's, it's like such a, it's such a sweet scene between Mm. one sister and another. And then when you start to think about that scene afterwards, where like, it was very clear that she was just flat out choking her sister. Right. Right. And, and yet what Verónica says is like, I'm trying to protect you. I wasn't trying to choke you. You see, like you start looking at that scene in a different way now. And you, you can see that process in Lucia's eyes where she's like, fuck is going on here right She's choking me how can she be protecting me and yet she still falls in line and she's still like yeah okay i'm gonna trust you you're my older sister right and she doesn't understand why she was doing it but for whatever reason she was it was probably for her own mm-hmm. for for her own protection like i i think that was a really great scene it's just one little scene right but we do see that later in the movie when Veronica comes back, right in the like the final showdown with the monster, which is really just a showdown with herself, right? Um, her uh, the the other twin Irene is the first one to pop up, right? When when she's looking for the sisters, right? right? And it and she says, "Where's Lucia?" And Irene points at where Lucia is, and that's when Lucia pops up. Like right. Lucia's like fucking terrified of her mm-hmm. because she was previously attacked. You know, well, I, like there's there's these little bits of like um, like just good acting that goes on, e- even even with the children. You were gonna say something, Dan? Oh
1: yeah, I was just gonna say there, there's 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 uh, there's also an element like once you realize that she actually was choking her and that it was all that there's this element of realism that. You know, in in hindsight, you you kind of chuckle about, but it makes it make so much sense. I know Dave and I are older siblings. I don't know about you, uh, Andrew. No, I'm
2: the I'm the youngest one. Okay, well then maybe it happened to you.
1: Um, yeah. But when <laughs> when 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 I was growing up with my younger brother, and like and uh, I, I reached the age where I could watch him, and occasionally you. would do something you weren't supposed to do, right. you know, like, like, are you, you're just, you're, you're roughhousing and, and shit gets too yeah. real and you hurt your sibling. So then you immediately, what would nowadays refer, be referred to as gaslighting. You immediately try to get, you're like, no, 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 that that's not how it happened. Remember?
2: <laughs>
1: like, like you, you immediately like, no, remember we were just, we were goofing and then this happened. And you're just, you're just hoping that they go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah. That's right. <laughs> You shouldn't have jerked your
0: arm in that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly.
1: No, remember, like, you tried to get away from me, but we were, like, wrapped up, like, you know, <laughs> shit like that. And so it's one of those things where when you think about that element of it, yeah, it's a little bit laughable. But then also it's, like, that's a super relatable thing as, you know, like, from a younger sibling who views their older sibling who are willing to be, like, Maybe I don't remember it exactly how it happened, you know. So there, oh, right. there, there's 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 a really deep level of realism to that moment because you're right. Lucille was fully aware of the fact that Veronica was choking her, but she just says, "No, I wasn't." He's like, "She's like, all right, okay. cool, yeah, yeah, I I guess you, you not. Just
2: made, you just made me realize that there's probably a larger part of my childhood that I probably misconstrued. Or something. <laughs> 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 so
1: so i'm ruining childhood exactly 2016 (laughs) so there's there's a lot here with a great cast and one thing that we always go back to when we talk about the cast is the director and the filmmaking now paco plaza is no amateur when it comes to making scary movies um, this is the guy who made, uh, all three of the rec films that I've seen. I think there may be, they may have kept making them after he wasn't. There was a and, fourth
2: one
0: that his co-director from the original directed.
1: Okay, there we go. Um, and I mean, even before those, he made, uh, a movie called, um, let me make sure, okay, it's, it's called Roma Santa when I saw it, I believe it was just called Werewolf Hunter because I saw like mm-hmm. an American version of it. And it, it it's also a pretty good movie for, I think it was made for like 12 bucks. But so this guy, <laughs> he, he knows what he's doing. And so when you look at the aspects of this filmmaking from what he got out of the cast to, you know, just everything that's presented on the screen, what are the standouts here for you? What, what makes this movie? Because, you know, it's interesting we all open saying we like it, but then we still kinda manage to keep pointing out flaws in it. So what holds this movie together in a way that makes you feel comfortable saying that I you th- like it?
2: I think that that the from, from the very from right after the, the, the whole the whole uh try to the to try to grab you with the with the with the police at the beginning it starts at the end but when she when the movie starts and she's taking care of her little brothers and little brother and sisters it seems so natural to me it seemed it seemed effortless. It made me realize that this guy could direct anything, you know? And and this film, this film could have been anything if you would have just taken and look at at the way that it started i mean the it didn't necessarily have to be a horror movie from what it is that i saw you know but it obviously is a horror movie but 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 the the way that they they were so natural the way that they naturally acted like a family and it wasn't forced you know that that to me stood out you know and and that's one of the reasons it made me care for the characters You know, a lot more. It didn't seem like if you're watching like, uh, for example, uh, Scream is a great film, but but of course, they're just overacting for a larger part of it. These these characters were just, you know, so not even the little kids, they, they were they were naturally acting like brothers and sisters. And she was taking care of them the way that a big sister does. And that to me just like grabbed me from the get go. And it pulled me in. It made me care for the characters as the story went on, despite whatever it is, whatever unoriginal ideas you might have taken from other places. It still made the characters matter to me throughout the entire film, you know. And I never let that go.
1: Yeah, I know. I I agree. There's there are some huge standout scenes from this movie that. Uh, that I think sell this in a lot of really good ways. The, the, my two favorites are, I love the scene where she's walking, listening to her music and everything around her is happening in reverse. And like the people are walking backwards and like conversations and stuff that are happening are, are happening. The audio, everything around her is happening mm-hmm. backwards down to the fact that she eventually walks past herself Mm -hmm. and then kind of whips around. And then we actually get like that, reversing the the record sound. And then we go forward with the other version of her. That scene, while it did nothing, it it, it didn't, there, there was no story element that was progressed by that scene. But sometimes that's what makes something so great and so unsettling. Um you know just having a, a standout scene like that I thought that was incredible and I really loved I love it was it was almost corny but I loved when she was walking and she started and the ground became the book the pages of the book that yeah. she was reading right that was so cool because we're sitting there and she's just repeating those couple of mm-hmm. things over and over again while she's reading and then we're watching her literally walk across the pages it was almost like traveling
0: by map yes
1: I, <laughs> I mean it was it was just it was it was a really well done scene and so some things like that I think are the standouts where like like we keep saying you can look at a movie that's not wholly original but that you can enjoy it and have some moments that really stood out to you
2: I know that you guys probably want to talk about this, uh, but I'm just going to bring it up. The music was so damn original in this film, I mean, and and that to me set it apart too. And and they put in weird things, like in the scene where she's walking uh, through the apartment and she's noticing the shadow behind behind the 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 whatchamacallit the through the curtains and through the through the through the glass and you really can't tell what it is but if you listen to the music it's like old 90s cop music from old television shows I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't well, have. It's, it's it doesn't going have, along
0: with what the TV is playing exactly, it's, and it's, it's so really weird. It's huge good
2: diegetic music, right? And it's good, and they do that throughout the film, and then they, and then of course, the other thing is, uh what's the name of that band? Uh, uh I, know, right. I mean, she's wearing the shirt. It's on the wall. They play it here and there. I mean, it 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 really does it 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 really does a good job with with uh with the sound with the music i mean there were where 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 there isn't supposed to be any any music uh, where it's just blank you know it's perfect you know and even the eclectic the the eclectic collection of of music that they put in the film is just amazing at first i was thinking well, why the hell are they doing that but then you think about it, it's like oh this is perfect this is really good
0: I, I think that one of the things that was absolutely nailed is an authentic look at the nineties, um, because it's very, very easy to fall into that stranger things, nostalgic look at, Mm -hmm. at a, at a period, right. Um, this is done with the eighties and nineties all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I think that what we got here was um, an incredibly authentic view of that, where when I think back on my childhood, I think of wearing cheap Casio watches, uh, you know, playing the same cassettes over and over again on my Sony Walkman, right? And, and these were present ever present in the movie right the kinds of jeans and the cuts mm-hmm. of those jeans uh the the t-shirts that were just a little too baggy you know the the posters that were hanging all over the walls like this is how a young person in the 90s uh you know their sense of decor right that's that's what it was you know and and she had a, a just slightly uh, goth or slightly punk look to her without going overboard and making mm-hmm. her an extra in the craft right <laughs> uh, uh, yes. which, uh, which which we've talked about before yeah right? um so t- to me that was one of those things that Paco absolutely nailed another one right. of the things that i think he nailed was his command of camera uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just absolutely perfect. There's some of those shots that reminded me of Candyman where like mm-hmm. they're they're like kind of like high up. And, you know, we see her just walking across uh, various different, um, you know, uh, open spaces, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the those. Kind of shots where we we see her looking back at Maraviente, and then Maraviente looking back at her. Those shots were gorgeous. There's one in particular where uh, again I go back to this idea that you know we we were kind of force-fed these religious images, and then told, "No, it doesn't matter." Um But um, the uh, the idea that we have the cross in the actual building that they're at right? But it's an upside down cross, right? there's that one shot of the building and it's a gorgeous shot and it's, and it's mm-hmm. framing across right. upside down. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful shot. In the end we find it means nothing, right? Because it, it right. But, uh, and, and I feel like that is one of those those issues that I had with the movie as well. We talked about this with uh, the movie. We need to do something right. Um, where there are a, a, a couple of really great scenes, really great shots, incredibly artistic and then don't really add anything to uh to to the larger film uh but artistic they are and i think here they are a little bit more meaningful uh, uh ultimately you know you can kind of take what Edmara what this and say well she's maybe just a little too cynical mm-hmm. right so who knows maybe i'm reaching
1: and I, I think that I think that another thing that definitely comes across uh, when you look at how the film was made is the fact that uh, that Paco Plaza understands what is scary. He understands mm-hmm. he understands the idea of the jump scare, but he also understands the idea of the unsettling and the unnerving being scary. Mm-hmm. the The scene where she's trying to eat and she's just like shaking, and she yeah. eventually kind of throws up. And like, that's, that's like horrifying, right? Like this idea of losing control of your facilities, but then to also frame it from the, from the perspective of the kids are like, that was weird. You were shaking and then you you puked, right? Like, (laughs) like he, he, there's, there's a give and take there that he understands very, very well. The Mm. subtle scare when at one point when she's, she's walking, the TV cuts on suddenly and she starts walking across towards it. And you just see a figure in the hallway, just kind of very quickly. Oh, that was a
0: great scene. Away, yeah, yeah.
1: and you just you see it, and it's it's that moment that God, I love that moment. Uh, we we referenced them earlier, but but Mike Flanagan is the king. He's the of master shot right. yeah. of the. Wait, did I just see that? Mm-hmm. And then she shuts off the TV, and you get the great reflection in the TV of mm, of, of right. the creature behind her. Some of that stuff that's just unnerving and unsettling there's a shot where they show this painting of some wolves chasing a deer right and, the and deer's then gone. and then in the final scene they show it again but it's changed the deer is gone which then when you and it happens right before the reveal which you then find out she is the demon that the demon isn't chasing her and you realize it's one of those things where it's like right before they revealed it they revealed it because now the mm-hmm. wolves weren't chasing anything Be- the, it was just the wolves we eventually find out she is the demon it wasn't chasing her it was in her the whole way so little things like that oh, that's that
2: great i missed that right yes but the her. one thing if you notice when they were taking her out on the gurney and they 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 put a still on her shirt and she had the wolf on her shirt
1: yes yeah know, so yeah because so because she, she, she was the, the wolf, wolf. Yeah. She wasn't, she wasn't the deer being chased by the wolf. There there was only the wolf. And so that,
0: that makes a whole lot more sense now.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and so that, that imagery, that type of stuff that that you go back to, that is, that can only be attributed to just amazing direction and, and having your idea for what you want to do and knowing what makes things scary. And like, honestly, one of the things that was scariest to me in this film, uh, you know, so often I find I find an immense amount of terror in ominous uh, dialogue and lines, mm. and there was something that um, that Sister Death said that was that was so it was terrifying to me. And when she's talking about the Ouija board, she she uh, says, "It's not who you want to talk to. What matters is who you talked to." Yeah. Right, and this this concept of uh, of using a Ouija board, and with there being no physical, uh, you know, like like a. a What's the word I'm looking for? Like, like understanding, right? Like you can't, there's no checks and balances to a Ouija board. Mm -hmm. If you believe that a Ouija board is working outside of just this, you know, like automatic muscle movement thing. If you believe that a Ouija board is actually, is actually communicating through the veil. Then the concept of not really knowing who you're talking to. And because There's no it guarantee. Right? right. And because it doesn't matter who you want to be talking to. All that matters is who you are. Uh, there is an amazing book out there. It is a very dense read. Like you pick it up and you think you're going to finish it quick. You will not. It's called Voices Through the Void or Voices From the Void by mm-hmm. I'm Hester Travers Smith. And this is like one of the most proclaimed uh talking spirit board users of all time. And she devotes an entire chapter to this concept of the fact that um, malevolent uh, beings on the other side will essentially use your relatives or your, your loved ones or whoever you're trying to speak mm-hmm. to as like skin suits, right? And, and then they will communicate to you through them to get their way. And so that particular line, I, it's it's one of those things where you know I I'm always at odds with myself about how spiritual I am, right? Like I'm not religious, I'm not religious, but I I, I find myself constantly at odds with how how spiritual I am because I do find myself uh, as as I read a lot of things, finding a lot of belief in things that are supernatural or at least not complete, you know, like I not just completely disregarding them and so when you read that book by the way if, if you're gonna i'm gonna give the same the exact same like disclaimer here that i gave when we were doing hereditary just because you believe fire isn't hot doesn't mean it won't burn you right there's it's <laughs> right. It, if, if just because just because you don't believe that a ouija board works doesn't mean that it can't i, I and i'm not uh-huh. i'm not sitting here telling you ouija boards work I'm just telling you that simply thinking that because you don't believe in them, that nothing can happen to you is a fool's errand. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to fuck with that type of stuff, educate yourself first. Don't just Mm -hmm. grab one that comes from a newsstand (laughs) and a shot glass that you found in a basement and go to (laughs) town.
2: there's There's an old Cuban thing that goes, I don't believe in Santeria, but I respect it there you go yeah.
1: exactly a healthy respect for these things will right. take you a long way because if they are real they can very much fuck you up and so that idea of it doesn't matter who you want to talk to it's who you actually talk to that i thought that that set a very different tone for this movie and i loved it
0: absolutely all right i, um, I agree so uh, that leaves us with only one more task, which is to actually rate this movie. And um, even though there are only four members in Eros <laughs> del Silencio, we're going to rate this out of a possible five Eros del Silencio. Because you, uh, the, fan, right. are the you fan, are the fifth. You are the fifth. You are the fifth, right? Um, You're never alone when you're walking with uh, Hermana Muerte. So um, (laughs) uh, we'll start with you, Andy. Out of a possible five, Héroes del Silencio. How many Héroes del Silencio do you give this?
2: I'm going to give it four Héroes del Silencio. And the reason is I was actually at a three and a half. but, But there are a lot of things that came out in this conversation that made me change my mind, I will say that the only reason that I'm not going higher than a four is because there are some, there are some things that were, that were, I've seen, I've seen these things before. I mean, some things were, I mean, it's, you're going to say it's a great film. It's a good movie. I mean, some of it isn't, isn't very original but some parts of it are very are very original but it's it's not completely original that's the one thing and the other thing that that to me uh was the pacing of the film you know i it, i i found myself i found it dragging a little bit you know but you know i it when it picked up towards the so to, i want to say about maybe 45 minutes to the end of the film i mean it was just an excellent film, you know? So, um, so for those two reasons, I'm going to give it a four and not a three and a half for, uh, for Edwes and Silencio. (laughs) Edwes and Silencio. There it is.
1: (laughs) So I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm actually, I'm going to hit that three, five Mark um, that you were looking at there. There are a lot of really good things here. This is definitely a movie that I would recommend Uh, But there are there are some some flaws to this. The number one being that like like we just keep falling back on there. There is a lack of originality to the overall the overarching um, idea. Of the film, the the command of what's scary, the great performances from the actors; those things are all done. You know what? No, you know what? Uh, you know what? No, I'm going for. I'm going for changing it, changing, <laughs> changing horses midstream here. I am going to go for because I would recommend this. And there, there are, there are far more good takeaways than bad. So I'm I'm gonna dock that one star just for the the or excuse me the that one uh Eroes uh, de Silencio. Um, <laughs> I, I I am gonna I am gonna sit on that four because I, I just I just talked myself into it. But uh there's there's a lot of good stuff here, but I definitely think this is a big recommend. And you know sometimes Sometimes as as horror fans, when something doesn't scare us, we forget that this could be genuinely terrifying to somebody who doesn't seek these things out. And I do think that, If you have not seen all of the other films that we keep referencing, that there is a lot of really great elements here that make this a definite, definite recommend. And it even slides into that category of recommending to just about anybody. Honestly, the only people I'm not going to recommend this to are those handful of people like my dad. Love you, Dad, but you know, you're a jackass when it comes to this. I don't read. I, I watch movies so I don't have to read. Okay, fine. I'm not gonna tell you to watch this one right? but other than other than those people, this is a movie that I absolutely will recommend because there's there's a lot of there's there there are some great scares here. There are some things that are unsettling. there are some great performances. So yeah, like I said, talk talk myself into it, but i I am gonna hit that four mark with this one.
0: So I was also sitting at a three and a half. It was the silencio previously. And uh, I kept waffling back and forth because I was like, okay, so is 325, uh, 3.5 too low, is 4 too high. I knew I wanted to be somewhere in there. But we don't do 0.75s and 0.25s because we, we don't math that hard. Right. That's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of All math. All right. Yeah, that's uh that that's a nerd's game, right? <laughs> so um, I I think I'm gonna go four. Um okay. uh number one to make the math real easy, right? <laughs> uh, but but uh but number two because I think when, when a movie has some flaws, um but not an overwhelming number of flaws you can either choose to overlook them or you can choose to let those flaws define the movie um this is a case where i think that i can choose to overlook the flaws that this movie has because the movie is a rather enjoyable watch um it's one that i can definitely look at and say you know what it's not perfect uh, there's uh, and, and it is far from perfect, right. but, there's, uh, <laughs> but, but there's but but there's but there's a lot of really great stuff here. You know, there's um, I, I I I don't think that it's scary. I think that the movie, you know, rated against itself is actually quite good uh, and just scary enough. It's when you start comparing it to other things, which we've said we shouldn't do. Right. Um, that is the kind of thing that you know. It's like what, what I I don't want to compare this to Ouija Origin of Evil, right? I don't want to compare this to Conjuring Two. I and that, don't want that, to compare this a, what, to The Exorcist. That's exactly because why when, I ended when, up giving it when, that other when, half. when I do, then right. it is a three point five. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but against itself, you know, um against itself and not its marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. I think that this is, this is a solid four. This is one that I would recommend to just about anyone who, uh, who can get, uh, as was famously said, get over that, that one inch barrier, you know, and, <laughs> and just, and just read, just read, you
2: know?
0: Um, so, uh, so there you have it four a solid for fours all the way around. Um, just just to make the math easy. There we go. Uh, uh, but but all, but also because it deserves it, right? Uh, so we we have a four for Veronica, right? And uh, next week we will be concluding our our Valentine's month romance month special episodes. Uh, with which movie, Daniel? We,
1: we are going to go back. We're gonna go way back. We're oh. gonna go back to, I believe, the forties. Uh, With further back, sir. Oh, further back than the
0: forties. Nine, I believe it is. The year is nineteen thirty-five. Jump into your way back machine.
1: <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> and, and and travel back to the time when there was no choice but to watch it in black ex- and white. Exactly. We are going to be watching *The Bride of Frankenstein*. Wow. We're going way back. We're going to we're going to delve into into the land that Dave has been waiting forever for us <laughs> to get into. And we are going to do the Bride of Frankenstein. We're going to go universal universal horror monster movie with this. And we're going way back. So we are going to conclude with perhaps the first, you know, romantic horror movie you know Mm -hmm. we're going to go back to to the the days what do people say the days when men were men and golems (laughs) just wanted to bang (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to be doing the bride of Frankenstein, and it's going to be my first watch i've seen i've seen a handful of these universal monster movies i've seen the invisible man i've seen creature from the black lagoon i've never seen this one i'm very excited so um, um yeah so make sure you tune in next week. We're going to be doing The Bride of Frankenstein to wrap up our month of love as February um, ended up becoming. If you've enjoyed the show, make sure you follow us on all of our social media at ShiverPod. We always try to release a, couple, a day or two in advance and let you know what movie we're going to be watching so you have a chance to watch it and join in. If you're listening, why aren't you watching live? We're every Monday at 9, 8 central. We'd love to have you in. I believe we have a listener over here named Ralph. Ralph, but I'm getting everything in private chat, not comments. <laughs> so,
0: so here's here's the thing. So I don't uh, know how this, he's
1: pulling that off. This is Ralph Diaz,
0: who was with us on Mandy.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And uh and, and I, I I was telling him what he always asks what it is that we're gonna be doing, mm-hmm. and uh he says, I don't know how I'm doing this either. <laughs> So um, so, thank, he's, you, he's, for, he's, thank he's, you for thank you for listening, a home, Ron. He's a home Intruder, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's suddenly, the strangers. Um, so uh, I gave him the link that I gave you, uh, Daniel, and you, Andy. And oh, okay. not realizing that I was giving him the link to. Get so he's in the, in the Oh, There you go, work. right? And because he had access earlier, he still has access.
1: Ah, so he's just chilling in the green room, watching from there. All right, well, thanks for tuning in, Ralph. Yeah, he's just backstage having a good time. (laughs) He he wants everybody to know it was Dave's (laughs) mistake, not his. Cool, cool. (laughs) So, um, but like like Ralph, like Andy is most weeks, like I know a couple people out there are. We appreciate everybody who watches live. Make sure you comment. (laughs) and um if you like the show you can check us out at uh, shiverpod.com that will take you to our geekbro.net page where you'll find not only our podcast but everything that's on the geek bro network we got a little bit of everything Dave and I do Mount geek more we've got what's up bro uh our, our 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 sister, sister podcasts. podcast the uh the the flip side we, we we delved into their territory a little bit today by going into the tri- the true crime but they stick with like True crime, whereas we were like, ah, this is supernatural, maybe crime. (laughs) (laughs) You've got Comedy Fitness, A Dose of Ellie, Seasons, a TV podcast, kick flicks. There's a little bit of everything on there. We just just ingest as much media as we can over here at geekbro.net and then get on the internet once or twice a week and just you it all back at you so make sure you head to GeekBro.net where you can check out all those podcasts and don't forget on apple and on uh spotify you can rate so if you enjoy the show toss us a four or five star rating let the world know move us up on that algorithm absolutely
0: absolutely we really uh, uh, appreciate all those um those reviews uh on youtube Go ahead and uh, as uh, as as I absolutely hate to say, like and subscribe and uh, hit the, the little bell, bell icon <laughs> so that uh, so that you can you can be notified when we go live and we go live mm-hmm. every Wednesday every Wednesday at eight Eastern uh, no so 8, Central, eight Central eight Central nine no, I mean, Eastern oh, there you go. yes nine Eastern yep. eight Central yeah uh, I said that backwards um, it happened. Yeah, it's been a long time since I watched Cartoon Network. I feel like they always <laughs> stayed on Cartoon Network, right? Uh, Toonami and all that. So, on behalf of all of us here on Shiver, frights you very much.